Welcome to the Northfield Radio Program, my friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate everyone being here today. We've got a fun show for you all today. But as always, I'd like to say thank you to Outpost Coffee for providing incredible coffee and just different kind of beverages. Check them out at outpostcoffeeco.com. So how many of you have ever thought about the church and how the church should be presented in the world in which we live? How we should be doing church. Well, on today's program, I sit down and talk with a guy named Dale Partridge. He is a best-selling author. He used to run multi-million dollar companies, and he just started saying, you know, I have a desire to want to see Christ made much of, and he starts doing things a little bit differently. He's a church planner. Uh, he writes on marriage, and he's written several books. And so we, I sit down with him today and I have a conversation about marriage and the church. I hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome to the Northfield Nation, Dale Partridge. How you doing, my friend? Hey, excited to talk. Awesome, awesome. So if you don't know who Dale Partridge is, he uh, I actually found him via Instagram. He's got uh, quite, quite a following on Instagram and talks about the thing that really pulled me in was his idea ideas on marriage and masculinity that was the thing that really drew me in so i uh, i loved seeing this but dale does so much more than that he actually uh does church planning and he does it not nor it's not a normal idea of church planning it's not this uh uh, build a big building and have this big monstrosity. It's actually um, a different mindset where we get to sit down in each other's homes and have conversations about Christ. And it's 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 not built around a celebrity pastor, but it's built around uh, the idea of Jesus, which that's how the church should be. And uh, so I just want to welcome to the show, Dale Partridge. How you doing? Hey, man, I'm just excited to, to have the conversation. And, you know, the main mission that I have in my life is this is replacing lies with truth. And it's so incredibly easy to believe a lie. I mean, all of us can admit at some point we've believed a lie. And uh, there's a quote that, that my mentor once told me. It says, if you believe wrong, you'll never live strong. And uh, it's also possible to wrongly divide or wrongly interpret the word of God. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm constantly searching for truth mm. and that is my my uh I, I think the core piece of who i am there's a quote by winston churchill it says the truth is often so valuable that it's protected by a bodyguard of lies and i'm i'm always very interested in going okay what is the truth on this area around church around masculinity mm -hmm. around marriage and so um yeah just excited to talk with you and hopefully it'll be useful and fruitful for those that are listening Absolutely. So what what really drove you to, to start sharing about marriage? What, what was it that really pushed you to want to um, share with the world your ideas on marriage? Well, you know, there's just because something is common doesn't mean that it's normal. Mm -hmm. And let me explain what that means. So it's very common to get a divorce. Yeah. It's very common to have a wife who disrespects her husband, and it's very common for a husband to be passive mm. and to uh, be a deadbeat and to um, to just not take up responsibility in loving and leading his wife. It's very common. It's not normal. Now, what's normal is what the Bible says or instructs husbands and wives to do. The Bible gets to de determine what is normal. And I... Uh, 
the more you read the Word of God and that you conform to those passages, the more you recognize that uh, what a normal Christian marriage looks like. And so over the past, you know, my, my wife and I have been together for about 10 years, and we've, um, we've been under, I would say, some really good discipleship for about five years, and we started evaluating if we had a normal Christian marriage, and we didn't. And we've since then really tried to conform our lives to what Scripture says, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. There's a quote, uh, I forgot who said it, but it says that your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way and not your own. And that's been true in our lives. So our hope is to remind people what a normal Christian marriage is and, uh, and, and get out of this kind of common way of being or common way of thinking and align ourselves with the scriptures. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, incredible. I love that. You have a book that's called uh, Saved from Success. How God can free you from culture's distortion of family, work, and good life. What, what does that mean to be saved from success? I mean, don't we all want to be successful? What What is that? Can you flesh that out? What that What that idea looks like? Yeah. So I wrote this book coming off the heels of being a entrepreneur. Uh, I've written a couple business books prior to that. I've owned several multi-million dollar companies. And this is prior to, I really believe, the Lord calling me into ministry mm. and, um, and taking me on a pilgrimage to get there. And success, uh, in terms of the culture's definition of, of success, I was the epitome of that. Um, you know, it's on the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine. I was um, asked by Mark Zuckerberg uh, to go and open up uh, for him as a keynote speaker at the 10th anniversary of Facebook Wow! Um, at their headquarters. I, I've had these incredible companies with, you know, millions of dollars in revenue. And, and I started questioning several years ago, what if the world's view of success is God's definition of failure? Oof, yeah. And, and that idea really pushed me to go, you know, First Corinthians, it says the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And I started questioning mostly because while I was culturally successful, my marriage was falling apart. My family was weak. My faith was weak. My fatherhood was really shallow. There was just a lacking and uh, our lack in my my walk as a man. And I started looking at things that we believe as Christians that have nothing to do with the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I started challenging the culture's view of success, and not just the culture's, challenging the church's view of success. Um, and this book is a Christian book written to Christians. I mean, a, another title you know, for it could be uh, Leaving Lukewarm. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. It, it's very much just a replacing what culture says with what God says. And it it goes over the ideas of marriage and children and freedom and money and influence and health and all, all those things. It's also a very short book. It only takes two hours and two minutes to read. So you can sit do it in one, one sitting. <laughs> awesome. um, but yeah, it's been, a, it's been a great book. It's done well. It's sold over 10,000 copies. Um, 
this, uh, I guess it came out earlier last year in 2018. Um, and so we're hoping to uh, keep selling it and hopefully people, you know, are edified and strengthened by it. Yeah. So I heard you say something during that, um, that the idea of losing uh, or changing the idea of, of success in church. And you have another thing that you're, you're sort of kind of head over is this relearn church and you guys are doing some church planning. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Cause you guys were in like a really big mega church and, and sort of kind of were feeling God pulling you in a different direction. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah. So for the last, I'd say, uh, 10 years, this has been a pilgrimage. So this is, this isn't, this isn't something recent for me. Yeah. Um, we, we, uh, we recently started the, the ministry that uh, supports this idea that the Lord has put on our hearts many years ago. Um, and and the, the ministry is, yeah, it's relearnchurch.org. And it is a, um, a nonprofit trying to bring the church back to the Bible and, and how we gather as Christians. Mm. And um, uh, it's been a fun journey. So that the what we started realizing is, uh, you know, ten years ago we were walking down the halls of this mega church that we were attending in Southern California, and I looked over to the left and I saw lining the walls were these huge sconces, like wall sconce lights. Yeah. And I thought, man, those sconces are probably like a thousand dollars each <laughs> and there was like over a hundred of them wow and i thought like how does this have to do with the gospel the church the scriptures the great commission and that was the beginning of this journey and i yep. you know I, I i saw the landscaping and i thought i bet they pay fifty thousand dollars a quarter to landscape this place wow and and I heard that the electrical bill was well over $3,000 a month. And, and so there's just, there's just things that are going on there. And that's just one element is the money element. Yeah. And so I started digging into the scriptures and I started realizing that the, the Bible in my left hand wasn't matching up with my experience in my right hand. Mm. And so that there was a gap between what the Bible says we should do around church and what everybody's doing for church. Yeah. And it's actually leaving people, um, I would say, the church is is supposed to be headed up by the good shepherd. And, and a shepherd's role is to guide, feed, and protect. And so I go, how is it that the place, that's the very place that's supposed to represent the good shepherd, is leaving millions of Christians lost, confused, and hungry? Ooh, yeah. And, and so I started asking myself, these types of questions and um, challenging this idea of of church and wh- where did we get it and how did it how did we land to the structure that we have today and the thing is is that there's there's actually lots of people leaving the church right now lots of Christians and it's not because they want less Jesus they actually want more Jesus they're just not finding him there yeah. And and so there's a search for the biblical church happening right now. And the problem is this is what's going on. We've turned Christianity into consumer instead of contributor Christianity. Exactly. Exactly. Chan says a statement. He says church in the Bible is more like going to the gym. Church today is more like going to the movies. 
And so the the concept of church as we know it is different than church as he shows it. And I really um, uh, started to, to notice just the, the breaking down of people. And this is how it happens. It's 10 feet wide and one inch deep inactive spectator Christianity or audience Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so we go, we show up for infotainment and we, <laughs> we, we get there and over the years, we might really enjoy it the first couple of years because it's all milk and we're babies in the faith. Yeah. And you, you get these messages that are really great messages for your life and, and you hear, you know, parts of the Bible and, and it's a good thing. The problem is, is that after a handful of years, people, um, people start to leave. Yeah. Um, and the reason they start to leave is because it's what we have going on is what's called lowest common denominator preaching. And because everybody's obsessed with with evangelism in the church and not discipleship, mm-hmm. everybody comes in and the the, the uh, preaching is catered to the person that's there on their first day, not the guy that's there on his 10th year. And so you have this milk, 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 and never getting the meat. And they've outsourced the meat to small groups. Um, and that's kind of been the model. And so when you're, when you're going to church, uh, eventually what you do is you go, you know what? Hey, because it's just, I'm an inactive spectator and there really is no deep relationships and I'm just a number in a pew. I'm going to actually stay home today because I don't feel good. And I'm going to listen to the podcast this week or the simulcast on the internet. Well, that starts to become a habit Yep. and you eventually stop going to church because you just listen to the podcast because in reality, all church is, is information. And then you start to leave uh, the, the kind of presence of that local gathering. Eventually, you realize that John Piper is a better teacher than your pastor, and you start listening to John Piper instead, <laughs> uh, or whoever else, right? Right. Um, and then now you're, you're not even associated with any local fellowship at all. You're just a Christian that's isolated, and Satan is winning. Wow. Because Satan is all about uh, taking you at like a wolf and separating you from the flock, Yep. so that he can take you out over time. Satan doesn't care if you fall today or 60 years from today, mm-hmm. just that you fall. And it's a slow fade. It's like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Mm-hmm. It falls like 0.087 millimeters a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, it's going to fall unless it's you know reinforced. reinforced the idea yeah. is we that that's what's going on. And so our heart is to go, what does the Bible say about gathering? Well, it has less to do with the information and more to do with the people. And so we have been planting house churches the last several years, uh, starting up here in Central Oregon, and we have three, almost four gatherings here, and they're autonomous gatherings. I'm not at the top, uh, like some pyramid thing that's going on. Right. Um, every gathering is autonomous, and we we... Uh, we start these gatherings, we grow them, mature them, we raise up leaders to go plant other gatherings. When our house gets too busy, we don't buy a building, we send people out to go plant another gathering. Hmm. And we do scripture, or we do church according to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and 2 and 3, uh, Titus chapter 1. We actually take these things as if mm, it's what they actually meant. Yeah. Imagine and, that. <laughs> uh, it's been very fruitful. And um, we have literally people moving from all over the country to come here and learn biblical church. 
And uh, we talk about it uh, on our podcast uh, that's titled Ultimate Marriage, but actually we're, we're getting ready to change the name to Real Christianity. Nice. Um, and so it's it's a journey, and that's uh, a lot that I just unloaded on you, but hopefully it was helpful. I think, man, it is. The world in which we live, church is, it is a consumer-driven thing. We go in, it's, it feels like in some places a show. And if it's not a show, it is definitely a spectator thing where you've got a certain group of people that are doing things, and then the rest of us just come and consume in a pew. And it, it, it can wear on you, uh, it can wear on the leaders for sure if that's all you're doing is just giving, 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 and just letting people just consume, consume, consume. And it, it really is something that um, I feel is is problematic in the, the Christianity or in Christendom. Um, so we, we've got to figure out a way to do church differently. And it sounds like you guys are on on the cutting edge of trying to make that happen. Because if you read the book of Acts, the, the models that we have are not how things were done in the book of Acts. And so, well, go ahead. Yeah, and it's an interesting point that you bring that up. I mean, Acts is a good example. And I, I even look at Acts, right? So I go, the book of Acts is descriptive of what happened yeah, and not prescriptive of necessarily what to do. Now, you can do what they did in the book of Acts, but that's actually even, you know, it's again, it's descriptive. It's mm-hmm. not prescriptive. But mm-hmm. what occurs in 1 Corinthians 14 or Titus or Timothy absolutely is prescriptive. Um, it actually puts it in a way in which you not doing those things or it like, ab, you know, like um, uh, trying to avoid those things could even be considered, you know, walking contrary to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the, the big thing, Caleb, that I, I'm seeing is that what you win people with is what you win people to. And we're winning people with really great music, yep. a really great speaker who's just because they're incredibly gifted doesn't mean they're spiritually mature. Um, or even biblically and, accurate. <laughs> yeah, and, and so you have these really great buildings, really cool design, uh, positive uplifting messages sprinkled with scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, what you win people with is what you win people to. You win them with childcare. You Oof. win them with whatever. Yeah. You win them with skateboard night. Whatever it is. <laughs> and again, I'm not saying that all this stuff is inherently bad because it's not. There's lots of people that are saved and led to the gospel through some of these things. Sure. But the scriptures teach us to win people with three things. The gospel, the word of God, and the covenant community of the church. Come on. Yeah. And that's it. That, and that's we don't simple. need to make it any more, more than that. No, I agree 100%. And, and, we're, and, there's not, and like you said, there's nothing inherently wrong with programming. But if you're replacing the Bible with programs... Um, we've got a problem. Yeah. Um, I, I go and I, I travel and I speak all, all over the place. And it's, it's sort of kind of sad that I hear people when I, I get done preaching and I just, I just give them the gospel. You know, we talk about sin. We talk about Jesus's rescue through the blood on the cross and people get, I get done and people walk up and they like, man, I haven't heard, heard preaching like that in forever. And I'm like, if you're not hearing this on a weekly basis from the pulpit, that's dangerous. That's incredibly dangerous. Um, and I, I, I sense from what just the stuff that I've read from you and the things that I've listened for your podcast and things like that, and you, you're, that's, that's your lane. Is you're, you're telling people, listen, sin is, is bad, but Christ has come to rescue you. 
And I, I noticed something on your website. You, you asked the question, is your church focused on expository teaching through the Bible or topical teaching? I, I, I'm, I'm no, I, pri- I think I know where you land here, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on expository preaching versus topical. Yeah, so this is, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with topical teaching. Every now and then I'll do a topical teaching as sure. well. Sure. Um, when I'm giving a sermon. But expository teaching is that, you know, it first, or actually it's in Acts 2, you know, it says that one of the four elements of the church gathering was that they labored in the apostles' doctrine. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea of teaching, it shouldn't be how to understand a certain topic better. Like, I'm not going to write a message on confidence or on personal confidence um, or on motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's not the goal. That shouldn't be the goal of the church. The goal of the church should be, I want to read you part of God's word. And let's just say that we're going through first John and I'm going to read chapter one and I'm going to tell you what the author intended its meaning to be. And by the time we're done, you will better understand first John chapter one for, so that it can be edifying to yourself Mm -hmm. and uh, strengthen the ministry that the Lord has for you. Yeah, Th- that's it. The topical teaching stuff—it's okay, but every church—I don't want to say every church—most churches have topical sermon series. We yep. got a new series starting on this, mm-hmm. a new series starting on that, and I just go, you know what? How about you just read the Word of God and teach what it says? Yeah. <laughs> and so again, we're we're, we're seeing. Uh, the church is primed for disruption right now. Uh-huh. Um, it is ready for people to um, jump out of the the kind of meshing of sheep and goats, um, and we don't get we don't get to know who the goat is because we are on the outside and we can't judge the heart. True. Now the scriptures say First John chapter four verse one says, "Test the spirits." Mm-hmm to see if they are of God. And what do you test them against? Well, you test them against the word of God. Yep. Well, you can't do that if you don't know it. But the idea is, is that there is a, there is a major problem in the institutional church right now. And um, we can't just keep starting buildings and putting churches in there and growing up to a thousand people and making really cool graphic design and then getting the same results over and over again that, 70% 70% of the men are looking at pornography on a weekly basis and mm-hmm. divorce is about 50 to 60% and that 78% of the children are, are leaving the faith by the time they turn 18 and only 11% have read the entire Bible and only less than 5% will show the gospel with someone once per year. Like these are the results of the church. Yeah, it's sad. It, they're really bad. The, yeah, they're horrible. That that it, it, It's proof that we're not taking what God told us Seriously, inside the church, when you've got seventy percent of guys viewing porn on a regular basis and, and divorce just rampant inside the church, like we should be different. Um, so when it comes to the idea, I think if if husbands and wives got on the same page missionally, and maybe you can, you, I hope you can echo this, if husbands and wives get on the same page missionally, and their 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 focus is the mission of the gospel they're not going to have time to bicker and fight with one another. Um, yeah. And I and I just, I think that um, we as husbands, it, it's, it's our job to lead our wives into this. 
how do you what's what's some good ways that as husbands that we can help our wives understand the mission of the gospel? I mean, Ephesians five says, "Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her." Um, and and the reason is that he might sanctify her mm-hmm. and cleanse her uh, with the washing of water by the word. And so, a couple things I think about is that one, um, men need to start leading by giving themselves up for their brides. The way that Jesus displayed his headship was dying for his wife. Mm. Yeah. And so what that means is, is that you, you give up your own desires, um, selfish desires, and you work on self-denial uh, as a way to love your wife. And that actually will edify her and strengthen her as she sees you exemplify Christ-likeness. Now, does that mean that you just give up everything and you don't lead? No, that, that is your leadership, is that you're going to take control, lead the family, give up your own desires, and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and watch everything be added unto it. But the the uh, the second part is that cleansing her with the water by the word. And, and this idea is that husbands, guys, don't tell me that you're leading your wives if you're not teaching your wives scripture. Yeah. Like this idea of like, oh, yeah, I'm the leader of my home. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you do? Um, um, how do you lead? And so, you know, for me, I, uh, the basic things that I tell guys to do if they want to start becoming the leader of the home is, is I go, first is uh, pray with your wife and family every day. Just Amen. make a commitment to pray with your wife by yourselves and then pray with your family every day. Just gather the kids together and do that. The second thing is to read the Bible to your family every day. Um, and I do that five to six days a week. Um, and Sunday we have church, so we're doing that here anyways. So um, the third thing I say to men is I go, okay, now teach your wife something about God mm. and about God's word. So like every day I try to ask Veronica how she's doing and has she learned anything and, and what I'm learning and what I read today. And then the fourth thing, which probably should have been the first thing, is get into the Word. Come on. Every day. Absolutely. And and so the last thing I do for the fifth part, I, I, I usually have a list of five, and I'm glad that I actually pulled them out of my brain, <laughs> is, um, is I put my kids to bed every night, and um, I pray with all my kids, and I... Uh, I, I read them this, the word or I, I, or I talk to them about God or share the gospel with them over and over again. I, I've had them memorize the Ten Commandments over the years. I, I say this statement to my children. I go, hey, guys, if you went up to my kids who are five, three, and one and a half, you would say, hey, what's the most important thing you can ever do? My kids would all scream out, follow God's word. And wow. I'd say, hey, where do we find God's word? And they go, in the Bible. That's right. And so I've created these little things and I'm training my family, leading my family. It takes like a grand total of like 40 minutes a day um, to, to wear that title. But it's changes it changes their lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's where you get to start. So hopefully that helps. It does, man. It does. Dale, I, man, I'm so thankful to hear the things that you're saying because I've been believing this for a long time. It's just great to have somebody with your platform to just 
echo that and just to say, listen, this is what the truth is. And this is, we don't have to believe the lies of culture. And it just, it really just does my heart a lot of good. So thank you so much for coming on the program today. Um, If we want to get in touch with you or find out more about you, we can go to dalepartridge.com, correct? Yeah, the best place, I mean, you can go there, but the best place is really relearnchurch.org. I write there. Okay. um, and, And then Instagram is probably, it's just at Dale Partridge. And I write there and share our story every week. And so probably most of my my provocative writing <laughs> occurs <laughs> occurs there or at relearnchurch.org. And again, our um, our podcast, which is currently titled Ultimate Marriage. Um, and you can go to ultimatemarriage.com and learn about our marriage stuff. But those are really our two ministries is, is marriage and then the church. And so, um, yeah, th- thanks for, for having me here. It's just great to be able to share the story and Hopefully it's edifying and useful for those that are listening. Yeah, it is. Would you uh, would you dismiss us in prayer? I would love that. Yeah, okay. Father, we we just thank you for uh, truth, Father. You say that your Son is the way, the truth, and the life, mm. and that nobody comes to you except through Him, Father. We we thank you that we know the truth, and Father, that the truth has set us free, Lord. That we understand the gospel, and that we understand what is right and wrong. And Father, we ask that you would just place uh, that truth in our hearts and that you would uh, just make your truth known uh, through your word to anybody that's listening, Father, that they would seek you out to know you, to follow you, and to show other people uh, your son, Jesus. And we thank you in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, go get them this week. I hope that conversation encouraged you to want to just really rethink the idea of marriage and church. Right now, we need leadership in the church and in the home to lead people to the feet of Christ and not just to leave them there, but to so that they can go out and be disciples and find other people to disciple. So glad you took time out of your schedule to listen to this broadcast today. If you want to find out more about the Northfield Radio program and Caleb, go to www.calebgordon.com. This program has been brought to you by DSR, a technology company that has been investing in Bartles of a Families for over 35 years. DSR, we deliver technology.